like my father was in East Tennessee land of free home free spent time as a kid hills of Carolina mountains and valleys there there's no place finer still my time keeps ticking away I'll just keep Hello, everyone. Hello, we're back. <laughs> um, I, Morgan, have lost my voice from being sick this last week. So I feel like I feel like I sound like how you sounded, Sarah, when you didn't have yeah. a voice. We just switched. So now we yeah. got a raspy voice again. It's not <laughs> me. I'm Sarah. I'm the older cousin. My voice is present. <laughs> yeah. I'm Morgan. I'm the younger cousin. And my voice is something. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's I think this time of year, I don't know. So it's on the mend. I know. Yeah. I've been so excited about spring and like the sun coming out and doing things outside, which I have been and working on the house and stuff. But it's like, but then there's so much pollen that I feel like crap. So it's like seasonal spring onset depression, I think, because it's like sunny outside. I want to be out there, but at the same token, like my sinuses are killing me. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, I want to be excited for spring too, but here we are with allergies destroying us. I don't feel like I'm normally bothered by allergies that bad either, but it seems like this year has been really hard for people. Yeah. Me either. I think that you usually stay pretty well. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, you know, it's okay. Here we are. Um, <laughs> Doing the best we can do. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's that's the main reason why we took off last week because I wasn't feeling well. Um, but we're back again. And this week we're going to just give another State of the Union. It's by far the least dramatic State of the Union, but, you know, still worth mentioning. So, yeah. Um, Sarah, I'll let you start with your mom and okay. then we'll, we'll go into a little the other stuff. Okay. You know, it's so funny because I just went through an intake with a new therapist and it's like, yeah, even to just to right. start describing like this situation with my mother, much less what happened with my two other parents and the rest of my family. It's a lot. And like, I usually warn them and I just, you know, do a surface level you know, how you do intake. And, you know, this, this therapist was like, oh, I can take it. You're good. You know, but like midway through, he goes, this is a lot. <laughs> I was like, this. so like, I'm still, you know, we talk about this and we have this podcasting platform, not just, you know, for us to express, but to open up that safe community of, you know, not hiding, not feeling ashamed of talking about your story. But at the same token, like it weighs heavily. Like I've had a lot of depression lately that, you know, I, I'm doing the things within my control to try to help it. But while my mother remains in the state that she's in, it's just like this underlying depression that causes fatigue and just makes every day difficult. And if anybody has a magic pill as to get away from that guilty, like bad feeling, I'd love to have it because I have not figured out the secret sauce, but I'm continuing well, to try. <laughs> I think the point is that there's not a magic pill. It's, it's really hard. 
ongoing work to get past that guilt. It's yeah. it's hard work. Yeah. And I think it's an ongoing thing and not just like a, okay, I'm healed from it, especially when it's a situation that's so ongoing like this one, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the last state of the union we gave my mother was in the specialty hospital. Um, it was toward the end of her stint and she had been overdosed um, voluntarily by taking substances her boyfriend brought in. And from then on, which her stint wasn't much longer, but from then on, she was not allowed to have contact with anyone, which, you know, that's difficult for everyone. Um, you talk about, you know, her mother who's older and, you know, not doing well from a health standpoint. She, if she wanted to, couldn't go see her. Um, I would go there and drop things off because her mom and sister would buy her stuff like candy and things. And I would go drop it off for her, but, you know, couldn't see her. And I knew then that I wasn't probably going to see her for a while because she very openly wants to choose to use. And that was her plan. So she, we had a really difficult time at the end of her stay because we wanted her to go to a skilled nursing facility to rehabilitate and learn how to be, you know, as independent as possible without her two lower limbs. But none of them would accept her because of the drug use. So here we are, can't go to a skilled nursing facility. Her wounds are not healed. Um, Her legs are mostly healed, but she's not really getting any type of therapy to work toward prosthetics at this facility. So then they started looking into rehabs and rehabs wouldn't take her like, you know, for substance and, you know, skilled nursing again because of how bad her wounds were. So basically the system left us with the only choice of her going home. And in the process, like I'd been working on like her Medicare, going to social security, like filing stuff, trying to make sure that she had the coverage that she needed to get home health care because that was all I could do. I mean, she didn't have a wheelchair. She didn't have anything at home and literally just gets released. Um, Nothing's at home set up. She has an electric scooter that's her boyfriend's at home. Um, She went home. I talked to her a couple of times, but it was very clear that she wasn't going to do what she needed to do for herself. Um, my work has been really busy lately. I was traveling some and started getting the phone calls from the home health care about two days later, which is typical. And they're like, you know, we're trying to get this set up for this person. Um, you know, my mother and we can't get a hold of her. We can't get a hold of the other person listed in her home. And so like I did all the intake to try to get it set up, but she just never connected. So she's got like these active open wounds on her backside that she's sitting on all the time because she's not doing any type of therapy or anything to get mobile and getting no home health. And like I had asked the coordinator at the hospital, I was like, can we please, you know, set up some mental health you know, support at home. And she was like, yeah, we can talk about that. But, you know, that's never front of mind, although it very much should be in a situation like this. Um, So basically, like, I know she's just there not taking care of herself, etc., which is really difficult because we've got her mother and sister, like constantly trying to check on her. You can't get a hold of her. You know, you're feeling guilty because she can't really do everything for herself without being able to walk. Um, it's just a a very bizarre, helpless feeling where you're kind of angry, but 
you also want to help her change, but she doesn't want to change. And you know that she's just at home resuming the lifestyle that got her into the situation in the first place, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I was recently um, talking with a friend um, when I was traveling a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about Narcan because he was wearing a sweatshirt that said um, it's the like actual drug name. It's like Noxum on or something. I don't know. But um, it was he was wearing a sweatshirt that said like Narcan saves lives. And, you know, I was, I was telling him about this situation and, and talking about how it, it's just hard. Like it seems like we've mentioned before, like she she doesn't have a rock bottom. Um, you know, getting her legs amputated was not rock bottom from her. Losing her husband was not rock bottom. Um, and it's hard because when I talk about all of this stuff, it's it's very easy to say like, have like a very like you know human humanity dignity kind of approach but I was explaining to him like it's so difficult to actually apply it in this situation with someone who only wants to use and brags about being Narcan and it, it who just doesn't seem to like ever have a rock bottom and I don't know. It just, it, it makes, it leads me into this like weird moral place of like, yeah, I guess people should, should be able to choose. Like if that's what, she, if that's how she wants to live her life, like there's nothing we can do. And I guess we have to accept that. And she still deserves dignity and love and, and all the things it's, it's a hard one though. I, I'll admit it's, it's really yeah. difficult. It's a really messed up scenario. And, you know, Morgan and I actually were talking about Narcan the other day and it's kind of like, you know, those who are in an authority to have the ability to Narcan people that are like first responders or in law enforcement, it's like, okay, well, they made this drug. We've adopted it. It's part of our system. And nobody gets to choose who gets to be narcan like no. it's part of the process so it doesn't matter if you've narcan somebody every week for a month like you don't get to choose who gets to live and who doesn't and it is a really weird moral place because it's like you know you don't get to choose who you use it on based on how they're living their life and choosing drugs like that's not on us um but, yeah. you know, I, I know that there's been some really great turnaround stories, you know, from those who've been saved with Narcan. And then there's stories where people just, you know, continue until it ultimately ends their life. But it's such a bizarre drug, too. So about five days after my mom got out, she starts calling me like early in the morning. It's Sunday. And she's Lord. like, I need to go to the doctor. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I'm sick. I need to go to the doctor. I'm like, well, you haven't had home health care out. Are you taking care of your wounds? Like, what are you doing? She's like, no, I have an ear infection, a sinus infection. I need to I have pink eye. I need to go to the doctor. So me mind you, my childhood home, which I have nicknamed the trap house, mm -hmm. is full of people. OK, <laughs> like more people than probably sh can fit properly yeah. in that home. And this walk in clinic is like two blocks down the street, but nobody can take her. So mm -hmm. I have to come. So, you know, of course, I'm feeling guilty. I'm like, she's sick. Obviously, nobody's taking her. She needs to go to the doctor. She can't do it herself. She can't drive. She can't walk, etc. And I'm like, okay, I'm clearing my entire Sunday and already mentally a mess calling Morgan on the way there. Like, this is what's going on. So then I'm on my way there because she does this a lot. She'll call and need help, but then it takes her three hours to get ready while she's like in and out of her drug brain, you know? Yeah. And so 
I call her boyfriend because she won't answer. And I'm like, hey, he's like, hey, I was like, well, I'm on my way to take her. Like, is she ready? What's going on? He was like, why are you on your way here? I was like, are you at the house? He's like, yeah. I was like, she's been calling me and her mom all morning. I forgot that piece. My Nana was also blowing my phone up. Sick as yeah. a dog, begging me to take my mom to the doctor. It was like 7 a.m. on Sunday. I was trying to sleep in. Hell yeah. Like, I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> he's like, oh, well, hang on. Let me call you back. And I'm like, how in the hell is this woman who's disabled in her house with people and her boyfriend doesn't even know that she needs to go to the doctor and she's called me and I'm on my way it's like not a mansion like, no no it's not it's a it's a three-bedroom home well no I guess it's bigger than that yeah it's it's not a mansion though but there's <laughs> no. probably like what six seven eight people living there at a time it fluctuates yeah I mean yeah. it and there's a lot of cars there too. Like they're, yeah. they all drive. Yeah. It's like no one is av- it's available or aware of this scenario. And it's like it, it, the remainder of the events for that day are just a, a disastrous struggle. So I get there after I get confirmation. Oh yeah. She knows we're ready. We'll be ready for you. Which means that most of the people in the home hide. So I never see them because sometimes I can hear them hiding. <laughs> <laughs> and then the people that are allowed to be presented get more presentable or whatever you want to call it. They hide and all the drug paraphernalia. Yes. Cleaning up all that. Although it wasn't all hidden, by the way, this time. Definitely saw some things. Um, so I go in and I mean, she looks pitiful. She has no hair. Her hair's been shaved. So it's just a couple inches long. She's in this electric scooter sitting on a basically a dog pad um she's got wounds yeah like Uh, she can't why am i smiling and laughing my nerves make it happen yeah the dog is jumping everywhere and i'm like okay and they're like did you pull to the back and i'm like no i have no idea how we're doing this you know getting her to the car and they're like we'll go to the back we have a ramp So I pull around back. It's muddy and get back inside. She's screaming, yelling about everything she needs. I'm trying to help her get her reposition, getting her wipes, getting her purse. And she's like pretty lucid at this point. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, good. She's not messed up. And so they get her to the back porch. I'm pulled up back there. They're telling me how to break apart the scooter. Like I'm going to be able to do it. Like she doesn't have any equipment to help her move in and out of anything like I've helped someone in a wheelchair in home life before she has none of the equipment I have no way to like do all of this you know well technically she yeah no wheelchair nothing she's in the electric scooter is like for not for someone who does not have legs no it's not not that one not at all not even no. close. No. It's and so scooter. They're going across the backboard. The seat gets sideways. So she's like cocked to one side. And then as they go down the ramp, aka a piece of plywood. No. They almost fucking lose her. I'm not joking. Like it's not funny, but it's just like so absurd. Screaming. I mean, standing there like this is real life right now and so the way they move her is her boyfriend's brother picks her up and god help him like they're he's legitimately trying to help this woman whatever the you know whatever it is that makes him want to help her i don't know but he has to like lift her up from 
the front, basically, just like pick her up because she hasn't had therapy, doesn't know how to get from place to place. Her arms are really weak and put her in the car. And so he's like lifting her up and I'm like trying to grab like the laid out diaper and like the pad and like put it in my seat with this old fucking kitchen chair cushion that she's sitting on because I guess that's the best thing for all of her wounds back there that are like Mm. open and weeping. Yeah. And I'm like scurrying to put it there and he doesn't get her set in there right. And so she's screaming and she's going to fall out and he has to get in the back of the car and like get her fucking put in there. Right. I mean, it's just like the worst possible fucking situation. So then he breaks down the scooter and puts it in the back for me and proceeds to then by direction, follow me to the clinic to get her back out of the car. Cause I can't do it. She won't even let me. It's like, and, could you not have just taken her yourself? Taken her to the clinic? Why am I here at yeah. this point? I'm just like, why? Why am I here? What purpose? So we get there. I go inside and get their wheelchair. Thank God. And he gets her out, puts her in the wheelchair. Again, it's a huge struggle. You have to wait till she's ready. I try to get all of her stuff and put in there. At that point, we did have a dog pad because her boyfriend brought a dog pad out instead of one of her pads, which she was really pissed off about. (laughs) I cannot believe she's on puppy pads. I cannot. I like it's just like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like you can't make this shit up. And I have wipies, but there's only a couple left. In the meantime, We get her all in there. I get her inside, get to the window. I grab her wallet. I'm like, she needs to be seen. Okay, ID and insurance. I'm like, here we go. Open up her wallet. There's a a paper copy of her ID. I'm like, here's her ID. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you have her insurance? I'm like, nope, she has Medicaid though. Do you know the number? Actually, I do. Let me look it up. So I like looked it up in an email that I had because I've been doing all that and wrote it down and gave it to her. So they like process her stuff. I go park her. She's hungry at this point. So I'm like, is food allowed in here? And she's like, the receptionist is like, yes. I was like, I'm going right here to get her a drink and food. I'll be right back. So I go to a little sandwich shop next door because she's dying of thirst and food, apparently. And I get her food and a drink and bring it back. Actually, I skipped a part. So... She wanted to go to the bathroom before we even went up to the window because she wanted to see what she looked like because she hadn't seen herself since she'd been home. Hadn't even looked in a mirror. Well, she has picked a huge hole in between her eyebrows on the bridge of her nose. I mean, huge. It's bad looking. And then there's pics all over her body that's exposed. What do we like? So, okay. Sorry to pause real quick. She's like, she's always been someone and like, it's probably related to trauma and mental illness. She's always been like a, a picker. Yeah. Um, Like she'll pick bumps and, and scratches and things like that, even pre-drug use. But like, do we think this is related to drug use? Like, I know she's had a history of like meth sores. Mm-hmm. So but- I think the picking gets worse when she's on certain substances. Yeah. It- I think that it makes it worse because, I mean, when she's on them, like in the hospital, she was fine. Now, like her face is picked. There's a huge hole. There's picks all over her arms and what's left of her legs everywhere. So she's like getting as close to the mirror as she can. I'm like giving her a wet paper towel and I'm every five seconds. It's stop picking, stop, stop picking, stop. Because she's just like picking and bleeding everywhere. And so she finally is okay to leave the bathroom. I park her, go to get the food, bring it back. I get back. And I got it as quick as I could. I walked. It was just right next door. And she's not parked where I left her. (laughs) And I'm like, here we go. So I go to the bathroom and I start knocking and I'm like, it's me. And she's like, give me a minute, you know. And so I did. And and then I opened the door and she's bleeding everywhere because she has done picked 
holes in her arms and her face and she's trying to keep from bleeding and I'm just like stop picking like every two words stop picking stop stop every time I'd see her raise her hand stop you know and so she was like well now I'm bleeding everywhere because blah 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 and and then she proceeds to tell me that she had picked her arm with her mouth not her hand oh my god (laughs) I'm just like these people have to hate me right now but here we go she needs to see a doctor yeah so I park her back and I give her food and she did eat like half of it and she starts like nodding off at this point so I don't know what happened in the bathroom but either something was just kicking in or whatever and she got to where she was just like eyes closed nodding off you couldn't understand her speech they get back to me at the window and they're like she has a balance of like four hundred dollars so I'm like I'll be damned I've spent so much money yeah while this woman's been in the hospital on her and like care for her so I called her boyfriend and I was like hey because he didn't send her debit card or any money with her I was like so there's a balance that needs to be paid so do you have her card he's like uh yeah so then I have to wait for him to get down there to pay the fucking balance in the meantime he gets there sitting there waiting with mom she's like is that him is that him is that him you know and I'm like no he's not here yet he's also on crutches and can't get around very well so he gets inside and She's all screwed up at this point. They're talking whatever relationship it is they have. It's weird. And I'm just like a bystander at this point. She like gives them half her sandwich and like all this. He pays it, gives me the receipt. I was like, okay. So then we continue to wait and go back. And at this point, I can understand what she's saying because I'm like an expert in like screwed up speech. Yeah. (laughs) I should have a certificate. (laughs) (laughs) but nobody in the clinic can understand what in the hell she's saying so like everything she says I have to translate and it's not because she's speaking another language no it's it's literally like when she's messed up it's it's like so slurred but she also speaks quickly yeah that it's just like you can't understand it it's just, yeah. yeah, you can't, you can't accept for she you, was, Sarah. She was actually trying to be nice to the staff. And so like, I was just having to translate all of that. And the first thing they asked, cause she looks like she's been beaten. They're like, what yeah. happened to your face? She was like, I picked it. I have anxiety. And they're like, you picked it. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge hole. It's bad. It's infected, actually. God. Which is why she had pink eye in both of her eyes from picking and then touching her eyes. God. She had the pink eye. And, you know, they're just like, she's like, I also had these other wounds and I recently got my legs amputated. You know, like, whatever. Like, my ear hurts. Like, I'm having to translate all of this. They are all really kind to her. I will say that. So that was nice. Um, and basically treated her for like a sinus infection and like the pink eye, you know. And I sat there in between providers coming in and was just like, because she was complaining that she needed to go to the doctor three days ago and no one would take her. No one believed that she was sick. And I was like, you know, you can't care for yourself. Like, wouldn't you rather be in an environment where someone could care for you? Like, wouldn't you rather come live with me and get better? You know, and she was just like, I don't know. I'll have to think about it, you know, basically was her response. But she was like talking about the people there aren't, don't abuse her or aren't 
aren't mean to her. And I'm like, well, you not getting the care you receive is negligence. And that's a form of abuse. They don't have to be abusing you in other ways. Like that is a, a form of abuse, which is why you have, you know, a um, Department of Human Human Resources. I have so much work on my head brain right now. Department uh, D. DHS. Yeah. Department of Human Services. Yeah. 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 Hey, so, and you know, I was like, what well, do you want to think about it? And like, she was really messed up at this point and just nodding off and picking, but eventually like had to get her back out of the clinic. And they had already said to us in the room, don't take our chair. That's our only one. And I was just like, why would we take your chair? My mom's like, <laughs> oh no, uh, we have an electric one in the car. But I was just like, why would they say that? I guess they've met her before. I don't know, but I get her out. You did have a balance. Yeah. I get her outside and I'm like, I'm going to put you in the car. But she wouldn't let me because I couldn't get a hold of her boyfriend at that point. I had called several times to get his brother to come back down and help. So she's just sitting there and asking for stuff out of her purse. And so I go to look in her purse. And the first thing I notice is there's hair ties attached to the side. And I was like, well, she doesn't need those anymore because she has no hair. And then I look down in there and there's like several things that are like prevalent to me. But the main thing was the Narcan. (laughs) Like I'd never actually seen it before. And so it was right there in the top of her purse because she carries it everywhere with her. I'd never seen it before, but I was just like, okay, well, she's real serious about keeping this narcan with her. Yeah. Important stuff, y'all. Like here it it is. is. Here it is. Um, it was kind of shocking. But yeah, eventually the after several nurses came out, offered to help, she wouldn't let them help because this is how she is. And they were like, we need the chair now. We have another patient. Like they were rude. It was getting really (laughs) sketchy out there. And finally the brother got back over and put her in the car and I drove her back and they're like trying to tell me to get like closer to the porch and stuff like in the backyard and I'm like trying to listen to them and also like not hit animals well I wound up running into a five gallon bucket of paint that was open and knocked it all over the backyard that they were working on (laughs) so I get parked And they get the chair together and they're trying to get her out. Well, she decided she didn't want to get out. She also decided she felt good enough to call her mother and sister and get in a fight in my car. And I'm just like, please get off the phone. You're just upsetting them. And so originally she was going to get out. I was going to go grab her antibiotics from the, you know, pharmacy and bring them back. I couldn't get her out of my car. The fucking dog is jumping in. She's on the phone screaming to her mother and sister. A whole weird dynamic happens with this conversation. There's pain everywhere. There's people running out for paint because there's like all these people there working on the house. So eventually I was like, she was trying to get her boyfriend to get papers and like prescriptions from the hospital, but he can't find them. So they're fighting. So finally, she's like, just take me to the pharmacy. So on the way there, of course, she wants to stop at McDonald's. She's like, this is great. I haven't been out. <laughs> She's just oh like my sobered up a little bit and like enjoying yeah. her car ride during my <laughs> Sunday yep. of rest and rejuvenation while I'm stressed the fuck out. Most of the day is gone at this point. And so I go get her freaking McDonald's and her boyfriend. I go get her, you know, prescriptions. <laughs> she decides which one she wants because apparently there's more there than what we picked up and get back. At this point, I pull in and something hits my car. People were cleaning out the upstairs of the house and throwing stuff out of the window. It was a shelving unit. 
it's just like you never know what you're gonna run into at that place it's no. crazy it's crazy oh and it took God. forever to get her out of the car i felt bad it's what she chose she was sober at that point she doesn't she was like maybe i'll just come to your house a couple of days a week yeah that's gonna help like right yeah any way to figure out how can i keep using basically yeah it's insanity like it's yeah i mean i drove away with just like this weird feeling guilty feeling deflated feeling helpless feeling like what what was i just a part of you know feeling guilty for that and it's like what is the right answer should i have not helped her should i have just left her there sick like i don't i don't know the answer yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an easy one to answer because, yeah, you you would have felt guilty if you didn't help her knowing that she was sick and had been wanting to go to the doctor. Um, is, the, is that guilt easier than the trauma that you experienced? I mean, quite literally, like seeing your mom in that state is traumatic. It's very it, traumatic. It's indescribable. But she also uses her secret potion of calling her mom, getting her mom, who could barely talk. She was so sick. Call Calling me and begging me to take her daughter to the doctor. Yeah. And she does her her manipulation where she's, you know, alludes to the fact that you're not a good daughter and that your mom's done so much for you. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it, it makes me think about, you know, again, when I had a friend who had been listening to the podcast and, um, you know, they asked like, why, you know, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but like, why do you, why have you not cut off your family after everything? You know, I've, I've cut off my family for similar reasons. And it's like that guilt. I mean, it's, it's just really, really hard. And I don't think there's a right answer. It's a very personalized answer for each person, you know, cutting off a family, maybe the right answer for one person, not, not another. I don't know what's right for us. It's, it's really hard. I think at least we've accepted that like this is who she is what she wants to do with her life i don't i don't think many of us i don't think we really have hope anymore that she's going to get clean yeah and- well and like the only positive thing she has to talk about was like on the way back she was talking about some of her friends that used to be her friends that aren't now that have gotten in trouble with the law that had stolen from her and talking about like i remember stories when the trap house was not my childhood home but two streets over which has been condemned now and people were just like rolling overdosed people out of cars into the street dead and she was like telling me the identity of those people and like to her that's what's like exciting is seeing people who have been you know struggling with substance abuse like her that are now in trouble and it's like she doesn't want to know anything about me or my child or my life or our family you know like none of that exists to her it's like she lives in this own little bubble of a world that's all around the use of substances it's weird too because she does that thing where she denies her own use still Mm -hmm. usually and so i'm I'm sure it's weird hearing her talk about like oh this person got in trouble for using or da 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 coming from like she's speaking from a perspective of like i don't do the same thing and i've never been in trouble too which she has i mean she has a charge for maintaining a, a drug dwelling which is why we call it a trap house because it's literally a drug dwelling yeah. it's weird it's like it makes you wonder about like just yeah the state of her mind and after yeah. years of use it uh, yeah I would love to hear more science about that because, you know, I've heard things like your mind stops maturing when you start becoming an active user, which I mean, I've definitely seen some examples 
in my life that are close to me that I would agree with that statement. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, I mean, she has warrants out right now. And, you know, it's like everybody is out for themselves. Like everybody that's there with her that she's helped. I mean, it's like everybody's just out for themselves. And eventually she's going to get caught up in these charges that's pending against her. And it's she's the homeowner. So she might be the one that, you know, goes down for everything. And she has this thought in her head that they won't take her without legs, which is absolutely not true. And I don't know, like every day, it's just a question because since then I had a conference call with Nana Morgan's mom, my mom and her boyfriend, because she had gotten injured with them picking her up something about her neck, which was a bizarre conference call because none of the people on the phone like each other. But I talked through the seriousness and whether or not she needed medical care, you know, but since then, like, I'm not talking to her. I'm not actively reaching out. Like it just upsets me. I know I'm not going to get a hold of her. She's going to be messed up or complaining about something. So it's just back to that waiting for the other boot to drop. Like what's going to happen? What's going to end it? And at the same token, like, you know, getting phone calls from her mother, which I avoided yesterday, calling to check on her because she's sick and this is her youngest child. And it's so hard on her. I mean, it's literally killing her with stress, you know, and at the same time, it's like when and if it ends anytime soon, like I'm the person that would have to deal with like this home and belongings. And like, how do you even begin to address a situation like that? Like, I don't even want to think about it. I am really good at avoiding, which my psychiatrist pointed out a couple yep. of weeks ago. I'm an avoidant because I just want to be positive and move forward. But it's constantly in the back of my mind. Like, how is she? Where is she? Am I going to get a call today? Every time, you know, the hospital calls or home health or our Nana, like my heart just sinks because it's like, great. Is this, is it now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, when you think about that, when that time does come, when she does pass away, it's like, you'll probably look back and be glad that you did things like, you know, take her to the clinic that day and you guys did your McDonald's run and and things like that. But it's also like, at what cost was that? Like, how, how were you after that day? Probably not well mental health wise for a few days, at least. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of like the humanity part and morality of it all. If she wasn't a user of illicit substances, and she called me needing help and was suffering with something else. Would I help her? Like, yeah, absolutely. So it's like that line of what's right and wrong. You know, she is a human. She is my mother. Like, definitely not in the form that she used to be. But I don't know. I don't. It would have been a worse day had I not gone and continued to be badgered by her and been made feel felt bad you know about it and by her mother yeah it would have been the same yeah you know I'll get calls from like her nana and, and Morgan's mom they went that day we had a conference call they went and saw her that's what we were organizing to yeah she came to the back porch and they pulled up to the back and didn't get out and just like yelled at each other from the car basically so that her mother could see her And I mean, it's pitiful, but they drive by there all the time. And there's like just people working on the yard and the house and like doing all this like remodel like stuff that's not real great. I don't know what to say. Like It's the most bizarre scenario. Yeah, it, it really is. And I don't 
think we've even painted the full picture of like everything with that house and the people that live there. And I don't mean to like say like the people that live there as if they're like other or bad or, you know, not you, you know, but there's a lot of background there that I think we should probably, we'll have to go into eventually to paint the full picture. It's, it's just, it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's crazy when you step back and think like, wow, this is reality. Yeah. I mean, in three years, it went from my childhood home where my mother and stepfather lived to now being watched by the narcotics, like TBI people, because it's literally been busted already. Um, and people have charges from it. So. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Man. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but I think, I think that's part of, that's while we're here doing this yeah. podcast um, to talk about it because it's crazy but surely others have experiences where they're too like, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so overwhelming to process or think about. It's so emotionally overwhelming. Overwhelming. Like it just makes me want to go to sleep and avoid everything, which I'm really good at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really hard to get to like a good healed place when it's so ongoing and there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. I think that the best thing you can do is talk about it at times and try to work through it. But I don't think you can constantly sit in it Mm-mm. because that's a really dark place to sit in constantly. Yeah. I mean, there's times when her, my mom's mother and Morgan's mother get obsessed, I would say, with yeah. the situation and wanting to control it and make her change. And it just makes you sick because well, it's like desperate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, that's not what she wants. That's not what she's going to do. Yeah. And I can't, I can't imagine it from our Nana's standpoint. Like that's her, you know, daughter and, and even yeah. my mom, that's her only sister. And we know that they've experienced a lot of loss in, in their lives. Um, so like, it's devastating. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like a desperate thing. They drive by that house every single day, twice a day. And I, I've told them like, you need to stop doing that. You're only upsetting yourself. There's nothing you can do. It's yeah, it's, it's just bad. It's sad. Yeah, it really is sad. Um, Unbelievably. Yeah, <laughs> it is sad. So that's the update on my mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just going to, I mean, my mom, you know, I think because of all of this loss and the current circumstances, like we, we are talking more than we probably would be if not. Um, and for the most part, we can have good conversations um luckily we have very similar views like politically and you know she reads the news a lot i work in politics like that's a good place for us to be able to connect um but she just if if we have any disagreement at all um she has this really toxic trait where she will say her side and what she thinks which usually involves verbally abusing me and calling me names and telling me i'm this or that. And then when I go to respond, she hangs up on me <laughs> or just continues yelling over me. And that has been lately, that lately has been like the most frustrating thing because it's like, if I'm going to listen to you say your side and, and if we're going to have a relationship, then I deserve the same respect for you to be able to listen to me. If you're going to call me names, I get to at least defend myself and explain myself. And she yeah. doesn't allow me to. And it is infuriating and it brings out the worst in me. Uh, so I haven't figured out how to navigate that other than try to avoid conversations with her, which isn't a healthy relationship. but. I don't think, I don't know that we'll ever have a healthy relationship. Yeah. 
So it's like, it's like a similar situation, much less extreme with your mom, but it's like, I guess you just accept that that's what it is. And you take the moments that are good and you hold on to those and, and then you try to, you know, have your boundaries and kind of avoid the other moments. I mean, I, I, I try to get to a point on the phone with my mom where I'll say, this is becoming uh, a conversation where you're not listening to me and you're not hearing me. So I'm going to get off the phone. And so that, that's a good way to like catch it. But it, it it doesn't change her behavior yeah, at all. Yeah, so hard. it's frustrating. It's hard. Yeah. And so I guess I guess we just have to accept our mothers for who they are and where they're at. And like I said in many, many episodes ago, like drop those expectations. Like I would love to have a healthy relationship with my mom um, and and be there to support her during this awful shit that she's going through with your mom yeah. um, and her being a caretaker of our Nana and, and all the hard things that are happening. But I, I'm just, I got to have my boundaries because it's not a healthy relationship at the end of the day, as much as I want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You got to have your boundaries, got to stay well. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, that's the, that's the current state of the union. Um, there is a lot of good as well. I know we don't talk about that as much because that's not the point of this podcast. Um, (laughs) but just know that, you know, while this hard family stuff is happening, you know, like I mentioned, we do have really beautiful parts of our lives. And, um, I know, I know we don't talk about it a whole lot because again, it's not the entire purpose of this podcast, but, um, don't worry about us guys. (laughs) We're going to be okay. We're, we're professionals. (laughs) Yeah. We're good. We're, we're working through this stuff and we're just grateful that you guys are here and listening. Two weeks ago, we hit 3000 listens. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Um, and we mentioned in the last episode, our South African Following. listeners, yes. us being one of the top comedy podcasts in South Africa. So that's really exciting as well. Yep. So thank you and reach out to us familytraumapod at gmail.com. We want to hear yeah. from you. Oh yeah. Also one more ask. If you guys could rate and review our podcast. I don't think we've ever asked that yet, um, but it does really matter with podcasts. If you listen to podcasts a lot, I'm sure you've heard other podcasters ask the same um, and yeah. it helps us reach more people and build more of a community. So if you could rate and review, we would appreciate it so, so much. Yes. And everybody else whose lives will be impacted by it. So yeah. Yeah. So come talk to us in the Facebook group and email us and all the things. Awesome. All right. Well, Morgan, get better. And we'll talk to you guys soon. We love you guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye.